0: And if you just kind of treat text the same way you would uh, email, I think you're going to quickly get a high unsubscribe rate Turn it up. You're listening to the Marketing Millennials Podcast. I'm Emily Ferguson. And I'm Daniel Murray. Get ready,
1: because we're taking you on a journey with today's marketing leaders and tomorrow's top stars. Let's
0: go! No BS, just a fun, unfiltered industry conversation with the game changers behind some of the coolest companies from around the globe.
1: The one request we tell our guests?
0: Stories or didn't happen?
1: A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn the f- up. Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Millennials podcast. Today, I'm joined with Ben Jabawi. He is the CEO and founder of Privy, the leader in e-commerce marketing for small businesses and entrepreneurs. Privy is used by over 400,000 stores in over 180 countries and has driven over four billion in sales. Ben is also the co-host of the popular marketing podcast, The E-Commerce Marketing Show. Ben, I'm super excited to have you on the show. Welcome.
0: Yeah, thanks, Daniel. Excited to be here.
1: Awesome. I want to dive in on how Privy came about, like the idea of Privy and where did this come from?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I I grew up and both my parents are entrepreneurs. They each had their own small business and you know i was somewhat technical i'm not a developer but um i did study engineering so growing up with two entrepreneurs you know in digital transformation they would kind of like ask me hey ben can you build me a website what's email marketing what's what's google ads and i just kind of saw in in each of them this appetite to adopt technology that they would use to market their business which was a major shift from you know, hiring an agency to build a website, right? You know, I saw that, I saw a little bit of what was happening in in other ecosystems like HubSpot and MailChimp, and I just really felt like, wow, for small businesses, there's going to be this big wave of adoption of self-serve marketing tools. And, you know, for kind of this newer breed within retail and e-commerce, there would need to be specific tools that are built just for them as opposed to trying to kind of reformat a HubSpot or a, a MailChimp for an e-commerce specific business.
1: That's awesome. I think a lot of, and even being in SaaS software, I think a lot of it, there is that big gap between like a mid-market versus a, a small business software. Because I think a lot of them are just trying to do the simple things, right? Email, text, and not to have this robust like
0: automation platform that everybody has. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how we phrase it. You know, it's like look at what Nike.com does or Amazon or Wayfair, right? They probably have hundreds of developers building this stuff. And for us, it's about, can you take those like marketing concepts, can you distill them down to their simplest forms? And then can you give the small business an easy way to execute those things in like a out of the box fashion so, the, the software's got to be easy to use. But on top of that, a big part of our kind of brand and, and vision and why it works so well for the small businesses is um, it's got to be easy to use. But, but what comes with it is incredible support. Like, that's one of the, our, our tenants and education. Like, so much of our marketing is focused on teaching. And I think when you pair that with an easy to use product and amazing support, like, that's the real equation for small business as opposed to you know, super advanced, like segmentation and engines, things like that.
1: So I want to go into that teaching aspect, like, because that's, I think, think a lot of problem with these small business softwares is like a lot of people get a software, but they don't know how to do marketing. So let's just go into like email marketing. What are like
0: things for email marketing that small businesses should think about? Yeah. I mean, look, I think, you know, the trend that we've seen is that it's gotten easier and easier to launch an online store. right? And, um, you know, folks like Shopify make that super easy, but it's still really hard to grow a business. And I think everyone who launches on Shopify or Wix or whatever, they understand that concepts or or words like email marketing are important. They just don't know what to do. And I think a lot of them just think that email marketing means You send a blast to all your customers with a coupon, right? And I I think like, you know, one of the things that we try to educate and coach on and make easy to execute is this concept of automation and the way that we describe that to our businesses in a simple term. I mean, I think most of us in B2B understand automation, but it's really just about like meeting your customers where they are in their journey, exploring your product versus you logging in and creating a, a, an email blast that you send out when you're ready, right? And so it's kind of like this gift that keeps on giving. And I think the, the three things that we recommend every business do in terms of email marketing or text marketing are gonna be an after up message. This is like a welcome message that really focuses on the founder telling their story, like the why, why is my product interesting? And why did I start this company? That also kind of warms them up to the fact that they just joined your, your newsletter or your, your text club. Cart abandonment, which is a huge issue, right? So after someone adds something to the cart, but then leaves behind, we've all seen this now, we all buy online. You should be engaging with that customer you know, from a support lens. Like, hey, did you have any questions about that product that I can help answer? That works really well. And then... Certainly, like uh, we call it post purchase follow ups too. So, after the order's placed, you got to recognize that for the first time customer, that's really the beginning of their customer journey. And so, you got to get them excited when you know the order hasn't arrived yet. Here's how to use that product after it comes. You know, how's it all going? Taking that customer support lens. So, you know, those three automations we think are critical for every small business. And you'd be surprised how few actually implement anything like that.
1: How could like a business like differentiate on like, especially like a card abandonment email and those type of emails. Cause I think a lot of the card abandonment emails, I'm like, okay, this is boring. I don't want to go back and purchase. You haven't enticed me at all to come back and purchase your product.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, you know, the lazy way is to just, you know, send a coupon. Here's 10% off. Don't forget to, to buy today. I think a lot of brands do that it probably works it does i mean i've seen the numbers but i think what really works best is like reminding the customer why you do what you do like going back to that story i think the best part of anime emails come from the founder's email address right they're certainly automated and they're they're usually plain text um, or very simple in nature and they're like hey daniel I'm Ben. I'm actually the founder of this company. And I noticed that you were checking out product ABC, but left it behind. Like, I just want to tell you a little bit more about it and why we think it's such an amazing product. And if you have any questions about that, like just reply. I'd love to share some more, you know? And I think weaving that story and taking the time to write your story Weaving it into your welcome messages, your card abandonment, your ads, like those are the things that really motivate the customer to buy with you versus just like going on Amazon.
1: Awesome. And I know you have a class on Shopify on like growing your email list. Like what are some tips to like grow that? Because I think a lot of companies are stuck with, okay, I how do I drive people to like my store, but one of the best ways is growing that email list. So what are some like tips to growing that email list?
0: Yeah. So uh, it's like a 30 minute course. It's free shopifycompass.com. Go check it out. But you know, in like two minutes or less, I think the way that I describe growing your email list is about removing friction and creating that opportunity. Right. So most website templates out of the box just have like a form in the footer And the expectation is that you need to scroll all the way down uh, and put your email in. And the reality is pretty much nobody does that, right? So list growth and the people that do list growth well, what they do is they look for cues from their visitor around interest. And that could be how many pages they've been checking out on the site or how far down the page they scroll or how long they spend. And when you find certain cues like that, that show interest or intent, then you, know, you should have a, a pop-up that you've designed that looks great, that fits nicely into the site, that surfaces for that visitor. You know, I think a lot of people cringe when they hear the word pop-up, but I think if you do it right, you design something that looks great, that's targeted to, to high intent visitors, um, we've just seen tremendous results with that for our customers. And in terms of like what to put in it, you know, these are just tools, right? So um, I think the thing that carries the biggest weight around sign-up rates of your form, whether that's a pop-up or a fly-out or whatever format it is, is going to be your hook, your offer, right? You know, you could certainly just put something in there that says, join our email list and you'll get, you know, our updates and new product launches. And, you know, the, the math and the benchmarks that we see is you should expect to convert about 1% of that if you kind of dial it up and think about like layering in an, an actual offer or an incentive for joining, like join our email list and you'll get a code for free shipping on your first order, um, you can expect about 5% to sign up. And then, you know, all of us have seen this concept of like an enter to win or a spin to win where it's like join our email list and you'll be entered into um, a monthly drawing for a $100 gift card to our store, right? And that can convert like 15%. So I think. There's a lot of tools, you know, tactics, but the thing that really carries the biggest impact on sign-up rates is what's the hook, right? Just like anything else we do.
1: Yeah. And one thing I want to dive deep into is this concept of, I know the archaic word SMS, but text messaging, like how could like companies, one, like effectively capture these SMSs and also like. I mean, numbers for text messaging. And then also like, what is like good strategies to employ text messaging? Cause I think a lot of the texts I get are very, I like that I've signed up for brands are very boring, very like, okay, like so robotic. And I think there's a big gap for people to take advantage of sending out cool text messages. Like even like, I know like community is like becoming like big and like Gary V and some other people are really good at just like, throwing in offers, but they also throw in like, just want to say, have a great day from like Gary, which I think is so cool. It's like humanizes your brand. Like you don't always
0: have to throw those offers. So I'm interested in like the texting aspect of it. Um, Like your thoughts. Yeah. I think like on the spectrum, these brands and and founders and e-commerce need to balance email and text. They need to be used very differently. Um, And if you just kind of treat text the same way you would, uh, email. I think you're going to quickly get a high unsubscribe rate. First, let's let's start here. I think I think brands need to choose a single channel first, and they need to really develop that out. Right. So, I think the most natural and probably the easiest to start with is email. So, get that automation set up. Get in a cadence of sending, you know, new new product drops or or whatever it is. Um, and then I think if you do that well like that can take you a very far way. And then text message should be like, you should think about layering that on top as supplemental, right? So you don't want to be texting everyone that's on your email list. Maybe you're reserving that for people that have purchased more than twice or spent more than 500 bucks, right? Or, you know, have been on your email list and engage with every email you want to invite them to, to try text with you. And I think, I mean, I love that idea of like, the non-salesy check-ins. I think that's cool. I think the, the reality is um, still a lot of people today are just kind of thinking about text as, as additive. And so what they will do is it's a smaller list. They'll send that promo. But I think the interesting stuff is the interplay between both channels where it's like, hey, I've got a customer. I know they're loyal. They just abandoned their cart, right? So you don't need to like send them a coupon. They've already ordered with you but maybe you start with an email to them an hour later, like, Hey, you know, so you left this behind. Um, do you have any questions about the fit or whatever? And then, you know, if they, if they buy awesome, but if they don't, then maybe the next day or six hours later, you shoot them a text. I think using them in concert together is where the interesting stuff really happens. And in terms of the content, like, you know, you gotta just be like recognizing that text is an, is a more intimate channel. And it needs to it needs to feel like it's a friend, right? And that's kind of why I I coach people to stay away from like treating it like an email newsletter.
1: That's good advice. I, and I I want to go into some ways people can like quick wins that people could do to improve their Shopify store because I think this is like, like key to having great marketing is like having that great Shopify store. So what are like some quick wins that people could do today to like
0: make their Shopify store better? I think an important thing is to think about three audiences, right? And you got to like step outside your your founder role. Assume nobody knows what you do. Right. And so your first audience that you want to think about is brand new visitors who've never been here before, right? The second one you want to think about is uh, visitors who have been here before but haven't purchased. and the third is people that have purchased before and are back again, right? If you just boil it down to those three simple audiences and you, you actually try the experience on your store by putting your, your mind in the mindset of each of those, I think you're going to learn a lot, right? Because like each of those has one goal. right If you're a new visitor, you want to learn like, why should I buy this thing as opposed to like going on Amazon? Or from a competitor, right? And so, in that first 30 second experience on the site, like, is it abundantly clear? Like, the story and the why and the quality, or like how you source your products, whatever it is, it's gonna kind of get me excited. For the people that are back for a second visit and still haven't purchased, like, think about that. Think about the intent behind that, right? So, that's where I might consider okay, you're back a second time, you haven't purchased. Maybe that's where I hit you with a pop up try to grab your email and give you a small incentive to try to get you over the line. Right. So I think that type of stuff works. And then, you know, for repeat customers, like make sure you're not presenting them with a form, make sure they've got a welcome back. You know, did they use the coupon code that you gave them last time? If not, it should be in the little bar you know, if they bought something last time, you know what they bought, maybe you can kind of cross sell them and point them to something that looks good with that or works well with that product. Like those are the types of techniques. But I think even just simplifying it in your own mind to those three audiences is going to give you ideas on like, what's the desired outcome for each of those three audiences?
1: Yeah, I mean, those are great tips. I think I think a lot of times people and I think this happens in B2B as well. So is that their website is just stale to like all, all the all the audiences like there are people even in b2b who are returned researchers and there's are people on b2b who are don't know who the heck like their brand is like privy is like what is privy and then there's like the the last person who's like purchased privy and they might be like Okay, I want to like refer this to a friend, or I want to, which is the, probably the least amount, but still. Um, but yeah, they could be show actually them,
0: show them what's new. Yeah. Show or, them some more educational content.
1: Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, actually, it's probably not the least amount because I think
0: they're for
1: especially like, and I want to get into this topic, but like coming back because you have such good educational content, like, I think that is key. Like, what do you think about? E commerce brand doing content marketing and having
0: a blog and stuff like that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just did a couple episodes on this on my show. I, I think e commerce is a really interesting industry because you could, Daniel, you could launch a Shopify store today, right? No audience. You could log in, get your products listed, make it look good. You could then go over and buy $100 worth of. Facebook and Instagram ads, and you would have traffic on your store probably, right? And so I think it's not that it's easy, it's still hard to do that, but it's, it's very quick to see the ROI on ads. And so that's kind of the behavior of everyone in the industry is like, yep, you get in, you launch, you buy ads, and you get sales. But like, very few have a blog very few do content well. And so that's something I always really try to encourage is like, if you've got a story to tell, there's so many places you could go for inspiration on how to tell that story, right? Your founding story is one, turn it into 10 blog posts, different variations of it, right? Um, You're getting questions from customers and, and support about the product. Each one of those common questions is probably a great blog post, right? You're doing um, some great like social uh, stories for your Instagram, download those, embed those to, into YouTube, turn that into a, a quick blog post. You know, like I think there there's so many opportunities that will help you long-term because I, I think it's a very dangerous cycle to get in of like you launch and you're just buying ads and that's the only way you can get traffic to your store. Like that's a really scary spot to be in.
1: Going in deep into that, because I want go into the the mixture of like how could a e-commerce company mix the buying products quickly versus like building a brand? Because I think like the e-commerce companies that are like surviving long-term have this brand behind them and like it's easier to do an ad when they know like that's this brand, but it's way harder when you're trying to run an ad, even though people do buy and there are, there's impulse buyers out there. Word of mouth is one of the best channels. So like, if you don't have that great product behind it, or you don't have that great experience, like you might get a couple purchases, but doesn't mean you're going to survive. That e-commerce store is ever going to survive. So what is like that make sure of like, do you tell people like, I need to get a bunch of sales, but also
0: brand side of it? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the best businesses that I see are really like fall into two categories, right? They're either starting their store after they've built an audience. Right. And a good example of this that I'll use is Hoonigan. You know, they have a huge, huge YouTube audience. It's, it's like a a store about car enthusiasts and they have like really strong YouTube. Right. And they had that YouTube presence before they launched a store, right? So I think like, that's a great example of, of one path on how to be successful. And then the other is like, y- you find these like, indie founders that actually know nothing about buying ads. And what they do is they focus on one channel and doing that one channel really well. Like It could be social media, right? So there's a couple of founders that I've worked with that like have really specific niches that have never bought an ad and they just like build community through social. Really targeted and they do an amazing job and they're at numbers you wouldn't believe. You know, One of them's over a million dollars, again, with zero paid ads. Uh, another has gotten to 7 million without zero paid ads that I work with. Like, I think there really are ways to grow and I love when I see or start working with a brand that has either a presence on YouTube or a really strong blog or or community through social because you just know, wow, you then layer on some of these other tactics and and you can really achieve amazing growth. Yeah, and I think
1: one thing that I got out of that that's pretty crucial that I think to mention is like start niche, right? Like I think like the indie person selling something niche for that unique audience that – Budagans is starting a, a niche, like they have an audience that's pretty niche that they now they could sell it. I think I see a lot of people who start like stores that are like so broad that like they don't even know who their audience is. Like you're just like, I'm going to do a shirt and let's hope people buy it.
0: Yeah. And actually, even for us, like we started broad, it didn't really work for us. We, we got specific to e-commerce and, and over time our marketing team, Dave's done an awesome job of this basically saying, Hey, we need to be even more specific, like who within e-commerce. And so, you know, for us getting as specific as like, we want to be speaking and helping and educating founders of e-commerce businesses that are doing zero to a million in sales. When you really hone in on such a specific niche, it gets easier to create content, you know, like it's been amazing. And so our podcasts and, and our masterclass series and our community, like all of that is so focused and it makes it stronger and easier for us to produce relevant content when we've kind of honed in on something that specific.
1: Yeah. And I, I think like, the only way to stay successful if you broaden out is like you, you have to double your team or <laughs> when you double your audience you kinda of have to double your team because like you said, there's people don't under underestimate like the content production, the the voice is different with when you expand that audience and all that good stuff. I wanna kinda know some ways that you've seen e-commerce
0: companies increase average order value. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. AOV. So for those that aren't familiar, average order value is just kind of like, it's a critical KPI in e-commerce because, you know, it's not that you're shooting for the highest AOV, but if, you, if you've got a certain conversion rate on your site or a certain number of orders, the, the higher the average order value, the more profitable you'll be typically, especially when you take like shipping costs into consideration, right? So I think The two kind of tactics that I I coach around in terms of increasing AOV, I mean, you could certainly just test higher prices, right? That's one, but that's, that's not something I really work on a lot. Free shipping thresholds is a big one. In the Privy platform, we've got this thing called a dynamic shipping bar. You've probably engaged with these on sites where it's like, hey, welcome to the store. Like every order above 50 bucks gets free shipping, right? And that'll tell you how far away from that threshold you are, right? So if you add 10 bucks, then you're 40 bucks away. And so if, if a e-commerce business sets that threshold, just a couple bucks above what their average order value is today, that's a fantastic way to kind of use that free shipping incentive to get that customer to like, instead of potentially buying one product, just buy a second right? And then you, you, you're like, oh yeah, I do want free shipping. Okay, fine. Right? So I think that's a, that's a no-brainer. It, it doesn't diminish the brand. Like, It's an easy thing to execute. And I think a lot of people miss that. Another big opportunity is called cross-sell or bundling. It depends, depends how you want to think about it. But you know, it's like you're in the supermarket and you're, you're about to check out and they've got like all that candy there at the checkout, you know? <laughs> And you're like, all right, you're right. I'm just like standing here looking at this thing. Like I'll grab a, a Twix, right? And so that's actually a, a cross sell, right? Because what they're doing is they're, they're adding more in the hopes that the average order value will be higher. And you know, I think in e-commerce cross sell, we see this all the time on like Amazon and Wayfair where it's like, you're looking at a product and then under, on, underneath it's like, other related products, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. I do have the razor in my cart. I should buy some more blades right now, too. And so, what that does is that means to the e-commerce business, they're going to send one package that's bigger, right? So they're going to win on their margin on shipping and the sale. So you know, these like cross sell displays—that's another big part of the Privy platform, where based on what is or is not in someone's cart you can display like a little flyout that makes it easy for them to add a related product to the cart so that's that's the cross sell play
1: on the threshold the shipping threshold like how should brands think about like calculating like that threshold because i think like some people could have that free shipping threshold and lose money if they're
0: not careful. Like what is it? Yeah, like, yeah. like, like, I think so- you, you need to know the weight of your products. You need to know, is this a domestic order or is this going to be international? Right. And then I think, and, and your margins and then you can make, make some assumptions. But yeah, I think like, you know, it's probably not something you can do right off the bat unless You know, you're selling a thousand dollar couch. Like, I think the expectation would be that that's going to be free shipping. You got to kind of understand your business economics a little bit and make sure that if you're offering free shipping, that it's not going to eat away at your margins.
1: I have a question about free shipping. Is it non negotiable to have free shipping?
0: Like, or like, can brands get away with not having free shipping? It's a good one. Depends who you're selling to. I mean, you know, like you're a customer, I don't know, have you, have you bought from a store that that charged you another six or 10 bucks for shipping?
1: The only time I do is like what you just said is if the the threshold pushed me over to have the free shipping, like, I think I'd rather buy something six bucks more somewhere else, like, and lose that $6. And that's in my mindset. Now, maybe like five years ago, I would have said, Heck yeah, but it's just I'm just wondering because I think like how many sales do e-commerce
0: companies lose like because they they have that that threshold like oh totally like, yeah free free shipping or lack thereof and hidden shipping costs is the is the biggest contributor to cart abandonment. So I mean I can't speak for every business, but let's just say you're you sell to domestic audience here in the U.S. and you know, maybe your cheapest product is 30 bucks. I would say, you know, you kind of need to be including free shipping.
1: That's a good point. I want to go into this new trend that's happening is like Instagram shopping. What are your thoughts on Instagram shopping? And like, what are your thoughts of like, it scaling in the future?
0: Yeah, so everything that I do at Privy that we do is about building an owned relationship with a customer, right? That's the value of going direct to consumer. And I think it's a critical component, right? If I own my relationship, then that means I can launch new stuff to that audience. I can try to sell them more frequently, et cetera, right? That's critical. And I think e-commerce businesses need to be able to sell in multiple kind of channels where one of them is their own website, but I think the value of something like Instagram shopping is that it does make it a little bit easier for the customer. So, you know, I think there's there's value in it, but I wouldn't build a business entirely around it um, because you will have no ownership over your own customer base. And I think the other side is like, as a customer, I'm a little bit hesitant mm-hmm. to to do that just because you know your instagram feed is so ephemeral right and like if i make an impulse buy like what if the product sucks like you know it's hard enough to deal with returns in e-commerce like what am i going to reach out to instagram for that you know like it just it feels like a stretch for me personally but i'm i'm sure that you know it's a it's about convenience for the customer and you know that's always a good thing i would encourage brands to test channels you probably need to be selling everywhere your customers are right that's this concept of omni channel but don't do that instead of a direct.com where you're able to go direct to your own customer base yeah
1: i want to touch on the owned versus like not owned like like an amazon versus shopify and like when do you suggest someone to like go on an amazon for shop obviously shopify because privy has shopify but But it's just an interesting conversation because I think a lot of people tell people to launch on Amazon, but like you said, you don't own the relationship. So like, what do you start with first? Do I start my Shopify store and then go on Amazon or do I start with my Amazon store and go to Shopify?
0: We've seen a lot of both, you know, Um, I think especially these days, sellers that were exclusively Amazon realize, oh, there's actually a lot of risk in that. And they're opening up Direct-to-consumer on Shopify, and then we see direct-to-consumer on Shopify that, that end up opening, you know channels through Amazon. And I think marketplaces like Amazon, they offer a lot of value if you aren't great at marketing yourself. You know Like if you're just looking for really high volume and to not have to do a lot of the legwork to get that audience there. Like that's a huge value, right? The hardest part about growing a business is building an audience. So if you can get in front of Amazon's audience, amazing. And, and that's a good reason to do it, right? It's, it's lower margin because they're going to take some away from you and you won't be able to reach those customers ever. But it's, if you have really great supply chain and you know, tons of inventory, then that's a fantastic way to just get revenue up. Um, but I think I would I would be very afraid to do that without a dedicated effort that's kind of focused on building direct to consumer on my own dot com.
1: They also are going to be marketing to people who are potentially your audience, too. So they are basically taking someone who is probably lo- could have been looking for and you don't even know, like they could have been querying like like your brand and that brand query could have been going to your store. But now like you've kind of lost like a, a raving fan a little bit when you have it on one platform. Um, yeah.
0: You basically have zero control, right? Now the other thing that I don't love about listing on Amazon or a marketplace is like, let's say I, I sold this t-shirt, this black t-shirt and you're looking at my black t-shirt on Amazon. Underneath, because they're all about conversion rate optimization. They're showcasing 10 other Amazon sellers that are selling this, a similar black t-shirt, right? Like, which I understand why they do that. It's great for the customer, but it kind of sucks for me as the brand. Right. So I think you just got to know what you're getting into with Amazon and there are good reasons to do it. I, I've worked with a lot of businesses and actually we, we did a great episode on, on Amazon, that have been very successful there but all of them have been really thankful that they've also built out their own direct consumer model because that's how they really build a brand
1: that's a great point and i want to go also into the subject of when should e-commerce brands start like their marketing efforts like and like get a privy or something like that like what point should
0: they like sign up for like privy marketing yeah, I mean look, I think I think day 0, that's why we built the free plan. Our our view is if you are going to have one visitor or 100 million visitors to your store today, you need to be building those relationships, you need to be having your cross-sell or your dynamic shipping bar in place, your card abandonment emails, like you need all of that no matter how big your audience is and that's kind of why we we offered the free plan is we want you to get all of your marketing automation infrastructure set up using Privy. And if you don't grow, fine, you know, like we get it. We're here for small business. And, and if you do grow and you're scaling, like you've got everything in place from day one.
1: One question I had is like, cause this is the key to all like e-commerce stores. I think is like social proof and reviews and all this stuff. Like how did a brand start getting those quickly? Because like, and how do they incorporate social proof when they have not a customer yet, for example, like, like that's a tricky, It's like a tricky like medium because social proof helps make the
0: purchase, but at the same time, like you don't have any purchases. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, Reviews are critical for sure. You know, I think you won't get a review unless you ask for one. And so weaving that into your automation sequences, I think is important, you know, 10 days after, uh, you know, an order has been fulfilled, you should have an email in their inbox. Hey, like, how's it going? Um, If you're enjoying the product, would really mean a lot to us if if you wrote a review, right? So I think getting in the rhythm of that early is important. If you don't yet really have a customer base, there's this really amazing paid ads woman out there That's big in in Snapchat. And she talks about actor generated content. And like, you could, before you have amazing reviews, like, you could ask your roommate or your buddy to like record a video and use that in some of your advertising, you know, and on your site and just kind of like pretend. Like, I I think a lot of people do that now. You see it on your Instagram stories all the time. Um, Those types of like real feeling ads that don't look like you know highly produced like that stuff works really well so there's always a way to jump start it even if it's you the founder
1: yeah and I also think that I feel like that's a little bit like influencer marketing so I think because a lot of the influencers have never like really tried the product like and that's like the same kind of thing doing it so I think like I, I don't feel like that's the most deceptive thing to do to have an actor do do your product because it's like, why not? Like they they're here. They're willing to do it. The last thing I want to just leave you the opportunity to talk about
0: anything you want to talk about. Privy your book or anything else that. Yeah. Talk about. For sure. So if you're out there thinking or in the process of of building a, a Shopify store or an e-commerce business. Uh, the first app you should look at is Privy, Privy privy.com. We're going to give you all the tools you need to convert more traffic and drive repeat sales uh, with an amazing free plan. And if you're just kind of curious, we launched a book this year called the e-commerce marketing handbook, um, which gives you like really like high level, easy to digest intros to a lot of the key concepts in e-commerce marketing. And we kind of have incredible experts um, from the industry, including uh, Harley Finkelstein, the the president of Shopify that, that wrote the foreword. So it's an awesome quick read and heck, maybe it even inspires you to start your own side hustle.
1: And last thing I would say is if you want to go deeper in e-commerce marketing, check out the e-commerce marketing school podcast that Ben and Dave Gearhart run.
0: I think it will be a great way to learn deeper e-commerce marketing if you're interested in it yeah we give you a lot of the tactics and and help you understand how all this stuff works
1: cool well thank you for coming on this has been a pleasure i'm excited to launch this to the world but i'm excited thank you for coming on yeah
0: yeah thanks Daniel. appreciate you having me cool